There's a phrase which we are told, we see it throughout, we see it throughout our media and we've heard it our whole lives. The phrase, be prepared. Be prepared. Be it the motto of the Boy Scouts, or the Scouts, I think as they are now called. Be it the motto of the Scouts, or the song from the movie The Lion King, be prepared. I love stories. And stories are the bedrock of culture and civilization. And I love a great storyteller. We, we know of great storytellers who connect with us. And, and Jesus teaches life-changing truths in his stories, parables. And, and a parable is defined as a fictitious narrative by which either the duties of men or the things of God are portrayed. And in the last few times we've been together... We've heard difficult words regarding the return of the Son of Man. Jesus has shared these from Matthew chapter 24 and in one of these final chapters in Matthew, because Matthew is coming to a close. We've been in Matthew since July of 2019. We've spent a lot of time with these kingdom encounters seeing seeing how Jesus is pointing toward the kingdom of heaven. Jesus uses these stories to point to the coming of the heavenly kingdom at the end of the age, and the urgency that each of us should feel to make certain that we are prepared. And this morning, Jesus is showing us a picture of a wedding celebration. We've seen these wedding pictures before in Matthew. And as we begin, there's a couple of things that I want you to see in Scripture as we talk about weddings, marriage, and celebration. And this will set the backdrop for our story this morning in Matthew chapter 25. This will set the backdrop. There's a couple of things I want you to see. When we go back to the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, we see the very first picture of marriage. In Genesis 2, the Lord says, It's not good for man to be alone, and I will make him a helper suitable for him. And so the Lord God causes a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and the man sleeps, and then the Lord takes one of his ribs and closes up the flesh at that place. And the Lord God fashions into a woman the rib which he has taken from the man, and he brings her to the man, and the man says, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And this is a relationship where two are joined together as one. First book in the Bible. We flash forward to the New Testament, and this picture of marriage represents Christ as the bridegroom and the church as the bride. And, and Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, famous scripture, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 and following. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We go, we, we've looked at the first book of the Bible, so we go to the last book of the Bible in Revelation 19. We see a picture of the marriage of the Lamb. And this voice from on high tells the Apostle John, Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And then we see these words, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Marriage is, is serious. 
The joining of a husband to a wife is an earthly picture which should point to the heavenly reality of Christ as the bridegroom and the church as the bride of Christ and the coming kingdom of heaven. And in the same manner, if you reverse that, if you swap the order, the picture of Christ as the bridegroom and the church as the bride of Christ, that's the model for the joining of husband and wife. You see that? This is why marriage is serious. And any other union is a distortion of of the biblical picture. You've got to keep that in mind. And then in Matthew 25, there's one more thing I need need to tell you before we look at the story. To our 21st century ears, this sounds strange. And it needs a little bit of explanation as to what's going on. In a Jewish wedding ceremony, in that culture and in that time... The ceremony doesn't take place in a church or synagogue, but it takes place in the house of the bride's father. And as is Jewish custom, bridesmaids wait for the bride and the bridegroom at the home of the bridegroom, the new home for the bride. And the bridesmaids are standing outside in order to receive the couple at the new home together. And this reception, along with the wedding feast will generally be after sunset, and that's why the bridesmaids, they're the the greeting party. They're the reception. They're receiving the groom and the bride, and they're going to need lights in which to see all of this. Jesus says, Matthew chapter 25, verse 1, The kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten bridesmaids. That's a big wedding party. Ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. Okay, how? When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil in flasks along with their lamps. So the first five mentioned, the foolish five, the unprepared five, they took no oil with them. And that's oil for the lamp. For the oil lamp, you've got to have oil. You put oil in the lamp. You put the wick in the oil for the oil to soak. And so when the wick is lit... Not just the wick itself will burn, but the oil along with it. The second five, the the prudent five, the prepared five, they bring oil in flasks along with their lamps. Now, while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. When I was young and and took piano lessons, I would go to my teacher's home uh, for my weekly afternoon lesson, and then after the lesson, upon my return to the car, I would see my father... He's in the driver's seat, and and sometimes he'd have the newspaper open, and his eyes were closed. (laughs) And so you fast forward to me taking my son to violin practice. And it's a great time to catch a couple of Zs while I'm waiting for that 45-minute lesson. I get drowsy. We, we, we probably all at one time or another, we, we get drowsy as we are sitting around and waiting. Jesus tells us in verse 6, at midnight there's a shout. Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. The midnight cry, the, the midnight shout. Here comes the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids, they, they rose and they trimmed their lamps. The young women, they, they rise, they prepare the lamps. The foolish say to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. The prudent, they answer, No, no there's not going to be enough for us and you too. They're not obnoxious about it. You know, you should have brought some. They don't do that. No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. I, I think the prudent have an appropriate response. They were prepared. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came. 
The bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. I'm guessing that at this time of night, the only thing which might have been open was some kind of first century convenience store. Don't we love convenience stores? They they have everything. They have everything. So the five foolish bridesmaids, they, they go and they buy some oil, and while they're gone, the bridegroom arrives. And the five wise women, with lamps trimmed and blazing brightly, they go out to meet the bridegroom. They're ready. They go in with the, with the bridegroom to the wedding banquet, and then the door is shut. A few chapters ago, in Matthew 22, we, we witnessed another wedding feast where there, there is a lack of preparation on the part of one of the guests. There's a king whose son is to be married. The king's son is the bridegroom. And this king says to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Well, what happens is the following. This is a brief recap. There, there, there's an invitation to a wedding feast given by the king for his son. And, and to make a long story short, we saw this a few months ago. Those who have been invited, they, they disregard the invitation repeatedly to the point where the ones, the king's servants who are bringing the RSVP, they're murdered by those who were invited. They're mistreated and they're murdered. And, and those who were first invited have shown they have no desire to be a part of the wedding feast. They've shown they have no desire to fellowship with the king or the king's son. So the king says, go therefore to the main highways... And as many as you find there, invite them to to the feast. And those servants, they go out into the streets. They gather together all they find, both evil and good. And the wedding hall is filled with dinner guests. And the king comes in and he looks around and he sees something off. There's a guest not dressed in wedding clothes. Hmm. So the king says to the man, he says, Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. The man is unable to respond. Or maybe he's unwilling to respond. So why are the clothes such a big deal? Well, if you're dressed for an occasion, you're prepared to be there. You've, you've taken the initiative to prepare if you're going to go. And you've made the appropriate preparations, and this man was not prepared. And so the king says to the servants, this is Matthew 22, verse 13. The king says to the servants, "...bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness..." In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And today we see the very same thing in in Matthew 25. So why do you think Jesus is telling us a similar story just a few chapters later? Well, parents, did you ever have to tell your children something more than one time? Wives, did you ever have to tell your husbands something more than once? Yes. Look again at verse 10. The bridesmaids, they've gone away to make the purchase of oil. They've gone to find oil. The bridegroom comes, and those who are ready, they go in with him to the wedding feast, and the door is shut. And Jesus says in verse 11, later on the other bridesmaids, they come and they say, Lord, Lord, open up for us. They've arrived. We don't know if they were successful in their search for the midnight oil. The text doesn't tell us. But imagine for a moment, I can see them knocking at the door. Lord, Lord, open up for us. Maybe there's silence. And another of the foolish bridesmaids knocks on the door, this time with a tad more vigor. There's silence like the grave. 
I can see the bridesmaid at the back of the line say, let me try. And she comes up and she knocks with all of her might, all of her effort. Lord, Lord, I, I know we weren't prepared with the oil, but, but you know we just got busy and we didn't get around to it. There's no answer. Lord, Lord, I, I know we weren't prepared with the oil, but, but you know we did think about it. And they wait for the reply. Lord, Lord, I know we weren't prepared with the oil, but, but you know we figured out since our mothers and our fathers and even our grandparents have already gone in to be a part of the wedding feast, we could just count on their invitation. We, you know, we could just sit with them. And the silence is becoming more and more uncomfortable. Lord, Lord, I, I know we weren't prepared with the oil, but you know we were really sincere and, and we meant well. And we're nice people. We're trying to, to be good and do good things. Their palms ache and, and their stomachs start to, to gnaw. And there's that feeling of uneasy queasy sickness. And they wait for what seems to be an eternity. And then they hear the voice of the bridegroom. Truly I say to you, I do not know you. The women, they sit there in silence. And a few of their lights might still burn for a while. And then it will become cold and dark. Jesus says, be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. What has Jesus said to us the last three, now four weeks? Be ready. Be ready. Be, be prepared. Be, be ready. Whether it's appropriate dress for the wedding guest or, or oil for the lamp for the bridesmaid. Each one has to be prepared and ready. Again, as we've said, weddings are a big deal. And, and the picture of marriage represents Christ as the bridegroom and the church as the bride. Listen to these words of John from Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Marriage is serious. The joining of a husband and a wife, it's that earthly picture which points to Christ as the bridegroom and, and the church as the bride of Christ in the coming kingdom of heaven. The Lord uses marriage as a model of kingdom relationship. For our lives here... As, as couples, as, as families, and really as the church. When we join the church, we are marrying Christ the groom, but we are marrying, we are becoming married to the church as the bride of Christ. We belong to one another. And as we started today, I, I pointed quickly to Revelation chapter 19, where we see a picture of the marriage of the Lamb. And, and this voice tells the Apostle John, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Him. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. 
It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. And then the voice says to John, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're all invited. And like the king's servants were told, invite everyone, good or evil, we're all invited. And the reality is we're, we're all sinners and we all know what evil is. But we're invited and to be a part, we have to be prepared. Like the wise bridesmaids, not the foolish ones. So how does one prepare in such a way as to not be locked out from the wedding banquet of the Lamb? Well, the Lord has to be allowed to deal with our sin. I've asked you the last few weeks, are you ready? And this is how you know, do you feel conviction about your sin? We're all sinners. Jesus, taking our our sins to the cross, has given us his righteousness. The righteousness required for us to stand before a holy God. And we need the righteousness of the Lord because we're all sinners. It's not about how good we are. It's about what Jesus has done for us. And because we're sinners, and the price, the wage of our sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus, by dying on the cross, paid the price of the wages of our sin. God showed us his great love by sending Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. That's becoming my favorite verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. While we were still sinners, God has shown us his great love by giving us Jesus. And if you and I can come to the place that we understand that as sinners we deserve death and that we need a Savior, and we can, if we can step past our pride to trust in Jesus being the only one who could die for us and be restored to life, if we confess our sin and our need for him, if we trust in that and we have the belief, we have the faith that Jesus can pull all of this off, we can have a relationship of peace with God. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb.